Greetings, guys and gals, and thank you so much for tuning in to episode two of the Films and Pixels podcast. I am your host, Afif, and we have a lot to talk about. First of all, first topic will be about Ben Affleck talking about everything Batman related on the eve of his 50th birthday with LA Times. Take two interactive buying Zenga, Bel Air trailer reboot reaction, CS 2022 recap and stories, and the Oppenheimer casting update once again directed by Christopher Nolan. First of all, we're going to begin with Ben Affleck on a recent interview he had with LA Times. So, of course, he talked about a lot of things, not just personal topics related to his life, but also films like The Comeback, you know, The Last Duel, being movies and projects that he was enthusiastic about, really excited, while also, you know, going in-depth topic on the whole Batman experience since 2016. Now, he did admit that filming The Justice League was actually the lowest point of his career. And most people thought that being Daredevil was the lowest point. So that really says a lot. He admitted that he was a bit hurt by the whole casting reaction before Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. But at least he did get some support from Warner Brothers, including Christopher Nolan, who at the time was, you know, executive of the company. And he did believe he was fit to carry the role. Now, when the movie did come out, even though it wasn't great, especially critically and commercially, his performance as Bruce Wayne, Batman, was still very good. It was Justice League in 2017 that was a letdown for him. He had this to say from his filming experience. It was really Justice League that was the nadir for me. That was a bad experience because of a confluence of things. My own life, my divorce, being away too much, the competing agendas, and then Zack's personal tragedy and the reshooting. It was the worst experience. It was awful. It was everything that I didn't like about this. That became the moment where I said, I'm not doing this anymore. It's not even about like Justice League was so bad because it could have been everything. I do think that his thoughts are justified and I really do agree with him when you look at the results. It wasn't that the quality it should have been, and it showed because like a lot of the vision, like, or what I should say properly, everything like initially that was envisioned by Zack Snyder in 2017, it was all changed from reshoots. It didn't help that there was like a lot of behind the scenes behavior from director Joss Whedon, who took over. And I guess he was kind of like, you know, a good substitute seeing his work from the first two Avengers films. However... A lot of his onset behavior really irritated plenty of the cast, including Ray Fisher. Now, he did complain to Warner Brothers and asked them to investigate. However, in five months, there was only like minimal results or like minuscule consequence. I'm not sure exactly, but it didn't seem like there wasn't any sort of punishment towards Joss Whedon. Now, when it comes to the theatrical cut, which is different from the director's cut, on HBO Max, there was a lot of cut content that didn't make it. And plus the whole viewing experience to me was like out of ordinary. And so when the characters interacted throughout the film, it was in some ways awkward. I don't know. I felt especially like moments between the flash and wonder woman, you know, and the cinematography that should have been there was kind of out of place. 
it was changed. And me personally, like maybe most people, I didn't like the whole orange sky in the third act when they were all about to battle uh, Steppenwolf together. So Joss Whedon came in and he changed everything that was initially set up by Zack Snyder. Although, like, all the memories for me that happened watching that movie, like, completely erased, the like, erased, watching the director's cut on that was released on HBO Max, for me, was a much better movie, albeit less than perfect. And like I was saying before, I'm glad the cinematography was improved and changed. Plus, there was a whole bunch of dialogue that was cut that was brought back, like, um, I didn't think you were real. I'm real when it's useful. <laughs> you know, I thought that line was essential because of Batman and Cyborg just at least trying to understand each other initially. Now, when it came to the Batman movie that's coming in March 4, he did have this to say regarding the film. Directing Batman is a good example. I looked at it and thought, I'm not going to be happy doing this. The person who does this should love it. You're supposed to always want these things, and I probably would have loved it at 32 or something. But it was the point where I started to realize it's not worth it. It's just a wonderful benefit of reorienting and recalibrating your priorities. That once it started being more about the experience, I felt at ease. Clearly his lack of enthusiasm for the film and the whole project while being unhappy with the development made him reconsider to drop out. Plus, his close friend Matt Damon convinced him to take on other projects he's more passionate about, such as other good films that he's done recently, like, um, you know, The Comeback and The Last Duel. You know, despite commercial results from the pandemic, were still decent movies. Now, initially, he was supposed to star, produce, write, and direct opposite to Joe Manganiello, who was going to come back as Deathstroke in the Batman movie. Now, the Deathstroke character did make a cameo appearance in the mid-credits scenes of Justice League, sharing a scene with Jesse Eisenberg, who did come back and reprise his role as Lex Luthor. So that was actually pretty good. However, there's still some good news, though. I mean, the Flash movie is coming out sometime in 2022, and Ben Affleck will be the Batman, but only for the third and final time. He did... You know, he did clearly express his excitement for the movie, and he called his scenes his favorite as Batman alongside Ezra Miller. He did say this. I have never said this. This is hot off the presses, but maybe my favorite scenes in terms of Batman and the interpretation of Batman that I have done were in the Flash movie. I hope they maintain the integrity of what we did, because I thought it was great and really interesting. Different but not in a way that is incongruent with the character. Who knows? Maybe they will decide that it doesn't work. But when I went and did it, it was really fun and really, really satisfying and encouraging. And I thought, wow, I think I have finally figured it out. Now, before he agreed to take part in the movie, he did give some notes on the script to Andy Muschietti. And by the way, the script was written by Christina Hodson. So after that, you know, just conversations with the director he agreed to be part of it and Muschietti himself said that he's a very substantial part of the emotional impact of the movie so you know I can't wait to see how that relationship between Bruce Wayne and Barry Allen evolves 
And I'm actually excited to see Michael Caine come back as Batman in the Flashpoint story. Although it's likely he's going to be Thomas Wayne, Bruce Wayne's dad. Because the Flashpoint storyline is basically based on Barry Allen traveling back in time. And what he does is that he decides to save his mom. But when that happens and goes back to his timeline, you know, changes are sort of, you know, taking place. What I'm trying to say is that the results bring unintended consequences in a lot of bad ways. Now, the, who are the villains? It's not really clear. But what is clear is that in the Flashpoint universe, Bruce Wayne as a child was killed. And that sort of like forced or I guess inspired Thomas Wayne to be Batman. Kind of like what the regular Bruce Wayne would do as a vigilante. So I think it's going to be interesting. It's going to be the first time where two Batman actors not sharing the same frame or sharing the same scenes, but being part of the same movie. And I really can't wait to see how that goes. And I think the whole Flashpoint movie, at least I hope it's going to still be called the Flash, you know, I think it's either going to be called Flashpoint or it's still known as The Flash. But I still think it's going to be a strong movie. And hopefully for the DCEU, it continues to improve from there. Guys and gals out there who are familiar with names such as Borderlands, Red Dead, GTA, NBA 2K are just some popular video gaming franchise examples that you've heard of. Well, as you may know by now, they're owned by two by Take-Two Interactive and they're the publishers for those franchises. But why does the subject of Take-Two matter? Because recently they just agreed to acquire Zenga for a new record of 12.7 billion dollars let me say that again billion dollars to acquire zenga that actually surpasses the previous record of tencent buying a huge stake of supercell for 8.57 billion dollars and the same for microsoft buying bethesda for 7.5 billion now for those that don't know zenga specialize on mobile and social media gaming and so for them it's like a huge asset for their portfolio while trying to expand beyond computer console gaming with their popular ips and i think it's going to help them sell well actually even like the more popular releases in recent years are still selling millions and millions of copies they did release a statement by saying, We are thrilled to announce our transformative transaction with Zenga, which significantly diverses our business and establishes our, le our leadership position in mobile, the fastest growing segment of the interactive entertainment industry, said Strauss Zelnick, chairman and CEO of Take-Two. We believe that we will deliver significant value to both sets of stockholders, including $100 million of annual cost synergies within the first two years post-closing and at least $500 million of annual net bookings opportunities over time. Now, as for Zanga, they do have a window of opportunity to maybe find better deals. The rule is that they have at least 45 deals before the acquisition does become official. Now, this sort of thing sort of reminds me of what Microsoft and Sony have been doing in recent years acquiring development studios to add to their portfolios 
And in their case, by doing that, they can have these companies and development teams have their games released exclusively to their new systems. And so by doing that, it's going to you know, have more high quality releases for the PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X. So for her take two to invest in a team for mobile gaming on the iOS and Android platforms will be interesting to go for the casual gaming market as a whole. But I mean, me personally, like mobile gaming, no matter how popular, it, like it's not powerful enough to obviously be console gaming. That's not exactly a shock. Now, the situation sort of reminds me when Take-Two almost bought Codemasters for at least $1 billion before EA stepped in with a slightly bigger offer at $1.2 billion. Now, for those that are also not aware, Codemasters, they're sort of the masters, sorry, no pun intended, experts with the whole racing genre with the F1 gaming license as well as Grid and Dirt, so... Now, as for the Zenga acquisition, I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm actually not sure what to say. I mean, you know, you buy a mobile gaming team for 12.4, costing even much, you know, being more expensive than the Bethesda purchase. And to me, the Bethesda purchase by Microsoft is really an industry changer, seeing as the IPs like Wolfenstein, Dune, Dishonored, Prey, Fallout, the Evil Within, Starfield, now going to Microsoft platforms like the Xbox and Windows um, console PC gaming, while seemingly from now on going away from the Nintendo and Sony PlayStation platforms. So, I mean, I don't know why. Like, to me, that's not a game changer. Or even, like, serious, but, you know, we'll just have to see where this goes. Guys and gals, a new trailer for the upcoming Fresh Prince of Bel-Air TV series is now on YouTube. Well, technically it's called Bel-Air, but I think you get the idea. Although in this situation, it's not really like a sitcom, it's really more of a serious drama. Now, the good news is that this iteration is being produced by Will Smith and the Westbrook Studios, but you also need to... Remember that in this situation, the actor who will be playing Will Smith has been casted as Jabari Parker, or excuse me, Jabari Banks, thinking of the basketball player. Now, instead of being funny and goofy, he is like constantly struggling and trying to adjust to a different lifestyle. It is sort of, well, actually, it is on based on the same story of, you know, playing street basketball. He gets in a fight. He gets arrested, trying to have a second chance at life. He goes to his rich extended family's house in the Bel Air area. Now, how this all happened is there's a like a mock trailer, if you want to call it. It's on YouTube on the Sun Squared Media channel. This was directed by Morgan Cooper with a completely different cast, but same characters. So he thought, give it a more of a serious tone while having it based on today's modern day pop culture. Now, when Will Smith saw the trailer and it brought to his attention, 
he immediately reacted and called it a brilliant idea. Now, on Will Smith's actual YouTube channel, he met with Morgan Cooper and discussed how he really liked it and thought, like, this is, like, again, like a brilliant idea, you know, a great storytelling for a new generation with a more serious tone. It's actually fantastic. So that's how the whole thing started from as a mock trailer to now being a serious TV series. And supposedly it was ordered for just the first two seasons at least. Now, Morgan Cooper did talk about how the filming took six months. When we first made this thing, I was really confident in the art. The internet's the internet. You never know if something's going to catch a spark or not. I'm very excited for everything that has happened and receive it humbly. But at the end of the day, I'm a black creative and representing my culture and expressing myself authentically is of the most is of the utmost importance to me. Now as for the actual TV series, it's going to be airing sometime soon on NBC Universal's Peacock streaming service. And so it's going to start by February 13. And like if you watch the trailer, you can tell how like the tone is completely different from before, you know, like I don't know, but I'm excited to see this younger cast and how they'll do. There are a couple of familiar faces, but it's still, I think it'll be very good. Let's see how a younger Will Smith, maybe he tries to go from West Philadelphia to Bel Air. We're all kind of familiar with the funny jokes from the 1990s series. So, I mean, um, yeah, I guess, you know, this kind of tugs on the hearts of nostalgia for people, especially millennials who grew up on the on the uh, previous show. I think it's going to be pretty good. At least uh, I hope so. Guys and gals, we're going to be talking about a lot of tech today. Now, finally, this year, the annual CES conference took place from January 5 to the 8th. And there were some major announcements from all the big tech brands that you can think of, although because of the whole um, pandemic situation, a few companies did pull out like Google, Amazon, Microsoft, and Panasonic. However, there was still a lot of excitement and really a lot of new innovative features that were included. Now, there was so much that happened that's really hard and like really, you know, it's kind of difficult to put it all at once together, but there are some highlights I've been able to find from a lot of articles and YouTube videos. I'll be talking about, or at least mentioning the Samsung, uh, no, hold on, before I say something from Samsung, I want to start with Sony Quantum.OLED TV. Now, it, it's not just any ordinary OLED TV in this case, it is making color, but without the filter, so... What that does is like it does make the picture much brighter than it would have been on other OLED TVs. I don't know if it'll make sense, but the results are still pretty good. Now, Samsung, they're going to have something with the Tizen OS update. Now, what it does is that it allows people to watch TV together remotely. So if you're in one location, and someone you know is in another location, you could watch together the same program. As well as new support from gaming hubs like the NVIDIA GeForce and Stadia as just some examples. 
also LG is going to have a 42 inch OLED TV at the same time that's like a monitor and just based on like a small clip I saw it can easily be moved around even to a kitchen while there's Intel they're going to have something called an Alt Alder Lake CPU chip it's going to be it is like a new processing chip from Intel but there's also going to be major processing chips as well from AMD Ryzen now first is the AMD Ryzen 7000 desktop processor and then the AMD Ryzen 6000 la uh, lap laptop processor as well so I should be clear 7000 desktop processor and 6000 laptop processor I hope I hope I clarified any confusion now of course um, I should have some images but I did find some smartphone announcements like Samsung Galaxy as uh, Samsung Galaxy S21 FE a lot of that looks really stylish the OnePlus 10 Pro although it's launching in China but there's no date yet globally TECL 30V 5G really amazing Vivo V23 Pro and even Nokia even Nokia has a G400 smartphone and there is one that's like a personal favorite of mine, the Astro Slide. One of the reasons why I was kind of interested in this phone, because like, it's not just a sliding mechanic. It actually has uh, physical keyboards, sort of what, like what BlackBerry has done before. There's going to be some new laptop announcements, gaming or non-gaming, like Lenovo ThinkBook Plus Gen 3. Alienware X14, Asus Raj Flow Z13, another Asus uh, ZenBook 17-fold OLED. That's going to be really interesting. XMG Neo 15 with XMG Oasis. Honestly, I have no idea what that means, but that just sounds really cool. The Razer Blade 14 and even a Dell XPS 13 Plus. How about that, yo? How about this? Also, some wearables like... A couple of Garmin wearables, Garmin Venue 2 Plus and a Garmin Vivamore Sport, as well as a Razer Cross Fossil Gen 6, Skagen Foster Gen 6, and a Movano Smart Ring. Now, I apologize if I don't have the details, but I think if you just look them up online, it's going to be much easier for you to understand without going all over the gigabytes and the RAMs and how much processing and resolution so i mean it's just really good stuff to know also some cars this is a favorite get this the bmw ix flow concept can change colors dynamically right so your car could go from white to black <laughs> pretty cool right also there's a couple of chevrolet chevrolet xwinox ev and the Silverado EV as well, Cadillac Interspace Concept, Chrysler Airflow Concept. So you can tell here like the cars at the showcase are more concept ideas. LG Omnipad, Mercedes-Benz Vision, EQX, uh, Sony Vision SO2. Also want to mention the BMW M60. Now, what it does have is like dual motor performance. I can go to 280 miles of range. But I mean, like when you break them down, it's um, 
I mean, I don't know. I mean, like, <laughs> I don't know. It's pretty cool. I got to say, I think probably the more intriguing announcements, because I think that will catch everyone's attention. I think it's the smartphone and the laptop announcements. And so I think it's pretty cool just seeing the advancements from Lenovo and Asus, just because I think those are pretty good brands. And as for Nokia having a new phone, I mean, I mean, we know that they're not the leaders in the smartphone market anymore, but I mean, you got to give them credit for trying, right? But the one that will grab the headlines, I think it's the Samsung Galaxy S21 FE. So that's going to be good to see how that goes. Guys and gals, for the final topic today, I want to talk about a movie director who, for me, is a personal favorite of mine. Now, casting list for his upcoming movie, Oppenheimer, just got bigger. There was a recent announcement of Josh Hartnett added to the group of cast members to the movie. It's not clear what role or what character he's going to be, but I mean, it's actually looking like a really stacked list. Now, for those that are not aware, the Oppenheimer story is based on the Pulitzer Prize winning book, book, American Prometheus, The Triumph and Tragedy of J. Robert Oppenheimer by Kai Bird and Martin J. Sherwin. And Oppenheimer, he was a theoretical physicist and the wartime head of the Los Alamos Laboratory. Now, due to his role in the Manhattan Project, uh, the World War II, during the World War II era, undertaking, uh, developing uh, nuclear weapons, atomic bombs. So he's kind of like the father of the atomic bomb. Uh, you know, once Oppenheimer was, once the war was over, I, excuse me, Oppenheimer became chairman of the General Advisory Committee of the United States of Atomic Energy Commission and lobbied for international control of nuclear power to avoid like nuclear uh, proliferation and nuclear arms race with the Soviet Union. And he actually op opposed hydrogen bomb, development of the hydrogen bomb, I should say. Now, it, it is going to be like, you know, a historical autobiographical story. And you know Nolan himself, I mean, just like the situation with Tenet in the 2020 COVID-19 pandemic, he insists once again to have the movie be released only in theaters. There's a release date for July 21, 2023. You know, for unless there are like any delays occurring, God forbid. The casting list so far includes Killian Murphy as the main character, J. Robert Oppenheimer, Emily Blunt as his wife, Catherine Oppenheimer, Robert Downey Jr. as Louis Strauss. Matt Damon as Leslie Groves, Florence Pugh as Gene Tatlock, Benny Safdie as Edward Teller, and like I said, Rami Malek also in the movie, but it's not really clear what it is, or I should say what his role is, excuse me. Now, as you're already aware, this is going to be Nolan's second time directing his second World War II film since 2017's Dunkirk, which is critically acclaimed and for all the right reasons it's going to be the first time since leaving warner brothers now 
collaborating with him are going to be producers like Emma Thomas and Charles Rovin, and plus he's going to have DOP that he knows, Hoyt Van Hatema, and his editor, Jennifer Lame, and plus his composer, Ludwig Gronsom. Gronsom? Gronsom, I think. But yeah, I think this is going to be another strong release. I'm really liking the casting list. And you know what? I'm I'm hoping at this point, like, you know, please, no more delays. I think we're kind of fed up with them. Okay, guys and gals, thank you so much for watching this episode. If you liked what you saw, please make sure to su subscribe to this channel. Also go to the Spotify and Rami, Stitcher, Pocket Cast. You'll find it there. And really, thank you so much. Please make sure to follow all of my social media cha channels and pages. Thank you so much. Please keep the comments section friendly. Until next time.